0: You're listening to the We Lead Well podcast, where wellbeing matters. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Transform Education Coaching, Headteacherchat.com and the Teach Well Alliance. Enjoy the show. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the We Lead Well podcast. I am Vickie McGuire, an education and leadership coach. I work with school leaders to support them to improve their own wellbeing and that of all their staff and I also run group coaching programs for women leaders and I have created the Women Lead Well coaching network. Both are to provide a supportive network for female school leaders and they help them to build their confidence, build their self-belief, Learn how to take better care of themselves because, as women, often we spend all of our time caring for other people and don't spend enough time caring for ourselves. So, the group coaching programs and the network help female leaders to learn to understand themselves better so that they're able to achieve their goals and become great leaders. So, today on the show, I have one of those great leaders joining us. And it's Jackie Frost, who has many years' experience leading in schools and as a head teacher. And throughout that time, she handled many challenging incidents, including the deaths of members of staff, a child, and even the discovery of a six foot python in the playground. So, Jackie has been through quite a number of crises, should we say. And I think this puts her in a particularly good position. discuss resilience, which is the focus of our interview today. And this is a real focal point at the moment for leaders. It's a buzzword in leadership. Everybody needs to be resilient if they're going to be a leader in a school. But what does resilience actually mean? And how can you develop more resilience They are the things that we will be talking about in this interview. And Jackie has some really unique and insightful views about what resilience is and how you can develop resilience. And both Jackie and I have completed our training to become accredited Resilient Leaders Elements consultants, as I have said in previous shows. And we'll look in the interview at how that program can also support you to develop more resilient. So here's the interview of the week with Jackie Frost. Jackie Frost, welcome to the We Lead Well podcast. It's great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm fine and thank you
1: for having me on this December dreary morning. Yes.
0: Well, actually, it's beautiful here.
1: Um, oh, it's this not morning in morning
0: <laughs> I saw the sunrise. Um, so can you start us off by introducing yourself to the listeners, telling them a little bit about yourself. Who you are and what you do.
1: So it's a bit like Silla Black, isn't it? What's your name? <laughs> where you
0: come from? Um, so
1: I have been um, in education since I started education. Uh, started being a teacher in 1988 in Clacton um, oh, on Sea. Oh, how some, lovely! What, yes, no, I went well, on holiday yes.
0: there when I was four years
1: old. <laughs> um, it was a junior school. Really interesting so I taught there until 91 and then I um went to a really large primary school in Ipswich and I was year six leader and literacy consultant and then um so I carried on there I had my son and um I went from there um I to what did I go oh yes I went from there to I became um a literacy consultant in the days when the literacy hour first came out and there was that lovely clock
0: oh yes I remember that yeah
1: yeah that was interesting (laughs) so um, my Christmas card list wasn't very long then because not people didn't really like you but that I taught I found a lot about myself and then I went from there to a deputy head um in Felixstowe um and it's really interesting because I went for my deputy headship. Oh, sorry, that's when I went as the literacy consultant um, after that. And then I went, I got my first headship in a really small village school where I had um, reception year one, year two. I taught them. Oh, wow. was the head. A, yes. I had a morning a week to be the head teacher. Wow. So I was either a brilliant <laughs> class teacher and a rubbish head. Or I was a rubbish head and not a very good class teacher. I, I, I found it very difficult to, you know, move from one role to the yes. other. So, you know, you'd go like we had a big building programme. So I'd go from talking about a £250,000 building programme to counting to 10. <laughs> so I found that really difficult. So I then moved from there to quite a leafy um, middle class uh, primary school. Um, and that wasn't for me, I, it was there I worked out that actually um, I needed a ch- challenging demographic, I needed, um, so um, I wasn't, I was, was there for a while and then I was asked to at the same time do part-time, so I had, I was, did two and a half days in one school and then two and a half days up in lower stuff which is, um, the end of the world, really. Um, and I went in there as an interim head into a failing, closing middle school. So it had had about five interim head teachers. It was in special measures. And I thought I was going to walk into a zoo, but I didn't. I walked into a school which really fired me up, really, because the children were getting a really bad deal. Mm-hmm. So um, I did both of the schools for a while and then I just um, focused. I let the, the, uh, the primary school in Ipswich go and I went to up in Lowestoft. And um, we got it out of special measures. It was really tough. Um, I had 11 staff resign the first term I was there because they didn't, they didn't like what I was doing. Um, But, you know, and all I was saying, we're just focusing on the kids, you know. So 11 left. That's fine. So a big recruitment campaign and the school was due to close in 2000, July 2011. And I said to the um, local authority, if you keep me on, if you keep me on and guarantee me work anywhere for that term afterwards, I'll go anywhere in the county, then I'll stay and I will see this school through to the end they said no so I had to leave because I, I you know I, I wasn't willing to take that risk um so then I had got a uh, headship of a large primary school in Ips- Ipswich which was probably one of the most chall- well it was the most challenging schools I've ever been heading but I absolutely loved it I loved it I loved it too much I think
0: yeah
1: and um I didn't realise that at the time. At the time, I just thought I was a really dedicated head teacher. But um yeah, in the end, I just had to make a decision. So I was there for um when did I go there? 2010. So I was there for six years and then I walked away with no job to go to, thinking, well, I've always liked teaching. I'll teach
0: That's not what you did, though, is it?
1: No, it's not
0: <laughs> what I did. So um,
1: I thought I'd take some time. you know, my husband was just take some time, think about it, you know, go and do a bit of supply, don't jump into something. And then, um I had been instrumental as a head in creating something called the Suffolk Primary Head Teachers Association. And from that, Um, we'd always had an executive officer but we didn't have one at that moment in time and the association was sort of collapsing really because heads were trying to run it so the uh, executive committee said would I do you know 16 hours a week for them so supporting head teachers being there as a sounding board for head teachers um and I loved it so I then from then from from that on I then um Went and did some coaching training i did my nlp training um because i felt i i what i didn't want to do is just going into a head who was in crisis and it just becomes sort of swapping war stories i wanted to make sure that when i left that they felt in a better position than when i walked in so um i loved that and i did that right right through um uh till last january actually last December. Um, So, I supported heads all through COVID, which was quite harrowing sometimes. And then um, my business, my own coaching business, uh, coaching leaders in particular, just was really um, growing. So, I felt actually I could step away from that and really concentrate on, um, you know, being the leader's coach, which is what I am now. Um, But I've gone into partnership with two other colleagues one had been my deputy head in a previous life um, and she's she and the other colleague um, work in a small academy in Suffolk so we've set up Leadership 43 because between us at point of conception for our business we had 43 years of combined leadership
0: experience oh, I'm glad you've told me that now I know yeah. what the, yeah. <laughs> what the so, 43 uh, is
1: yeah, that's why we called it Leadership 43, because that's what we've got. Um, so, yeah, that's where I am at this point now. So I feel really lucky, if I'm honest, Vicky, because I feel like I've had a second chance, really.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think if I'd have stuck it out as a head teacher, I probably wouldn't have had the energy or the the mindset or the brain space to do anything else if i'm honest
0: yeah i mean the work that i do uh, with women leaders is f- for that particular reason yeah. to support them so that they don't end up where we ended up at that point of burnout exactly. where you've no other choice but to leave a career that you really love that you feel you know i feel that teaching was a vocation for me absolutely absolutely yeah. And and I had to I had to leave it. One of the things that we look at actually is a couple of things here that I want to explore a bit more with you. So one of the things that I look at on the women leaders group coaching program that I do is how we self sabotage our own well being. And it's yeah. interesting that you talked about you've talked about your drive and you've talked about your love of the job, and how often they're seen as really positive traits to have. You know, if we, you know, we want to love our work. Um, you know we want to, a, a drive to succeed means that we will achieve great things but at the same time they're sabotaging we we're sort of self-sabotaging with those things oh, because we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves did you experience that
1: on reflection I did if I look back <laughs> when I was in the moment. Um, I'd say I was just being really resilient. I was being really strong. I was, you know, um, leading from the front. All those, you know, classic things. But but when I think back, if I think back to two thousand and twelve, I remember it was no, it was the November, it was the October half term, and I'd done a walking holiday with a friend, and I'd gone back into work, and um, I started sneezing. sounds ridiculous anyway I got a cold but you know it was a cold so I ploughed on anyway this cold just well it it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and I got pleurisy I got things like this and I but you know I I would have a few days off then I'd go back in anyway it got to March the following year and I remember being at work and thinking and stopping and thinking actually, I really don't feel very well. This, I feel dreadful. So my husband I couldn't even drive. My husband came to collect me. He took me straight to the doctors and he said, I'm coming in with you. And that's always like, oh. And I'd had loads of tests. I'd had so many antibiotics and goodness knows what else. And the doctor said, I'm going to test you for leukemia. And I was just like, That. Yeah, I didn't have leukemia, but I had um, an immune problem and she signed me off work for six weeks. And I it was. Yeah. And. I do believe that, actually, if I had in November, if I had taken taken more care of myself. I. I don't think I would have got that ill because I was, it was dreadful.
0: It's really interesting what you say there, isn't it? Because that's your body actually saying, I can't do this anymore. People will say, I've got, this is happening, or I've got this or that. And it's like, well, what's your body trying to tell you then? You know, no, we've got
1: no, and to, I just we've ignored to, it.
0: We've got to listen to those things. This leads me into, um, I suppose you mentioned resilience there and I suppose you would have seen that you carrying on in the face of all those difficulties and being ill and overcoming that as being a resilient person. I did. I did. Yeah. You know, and I, I
1: think um, to my downfall in a way, that is what I have done. You know, I, oh, you know, I, um, you know, going back when my son was three, I overcame, you know, massive personal trauma and, you know, sort of took my son and I through this you know really tragic time when he was little and you know so I had this real um sort of sense you know that I can cope with anything and you know um because I've been through this trauma um and then this uh, so myself talk to myself the whole time I was ill is it's a cold for goodness sake yet if I noticed one of my staff really struggling I would have been go home, I'll take your class, you know, I would, but I didn't do it with myself.
0: Yeah, and I think that the, the the thing with resilience is, it's one of the buzzwords with, with leadership, it's, a, you know, to be an effective leader, you have to be resilient, but I don't know if people really know what resilience means, it's a, an ability to bounce back in the face of adversity would be a way that people describe it but I I wonder whether because we because we see ourselves as very resilient people that we live in the zone of stress all the time and we think that that's what being resilient means that we can spend a lot of time in a high pressure high stress situation and keep going in the face of that what's your what are your thoughts on that?
1: well I think if you'd have asked me five years ago I would have said oh yes absolutely you know you just you don't let things get to you you just um you know you plow on you find a way um you you know you work that you know those extra three hours you do what well. but now um stepping away and looking back and also from really um being involved with you know the resilient leaders Elements community. I know it's not that anymore and uh, for me resilience starts with that real self-awareness that awareness of self I mean that's one of the elements isn't it is awareness but I think that those facets of awareness of self and awareness of others are are absolutely critical because for me now resilience is about recognizing when i'm not the best person for the job and actually looking back as a head when i especially when i was unwell in 2012 13 i i there were times i did things and i was not the best person for the job mm. but because i was the head i felt that was my role so i think being resilient is sometimes about handing that baton and saying to that that person either you've got better skills than me you can do this and you'll do a better job or saying actually this is making me feel really uncomfortable I'm not sure I can do this so it's about showing vulnerability in that measured and authentic way
0: yeah just to clarify for the listeners um, you and I Jackie are resilient leaders elements consultants aren't we and um, the resilient leaders elements it's a I suppose it's a framework for holistic mm. leadership isn't it it's, I think so yeah it's more about the who you are as a leader um the, you know the, the two of the elements of what you do and two of the elements are, are who you are um but it's a it's a it's a really holistic way of of thinking about yourself and your leadership isn't it um definitely and the, there are four elements so there's awareness leadership presence resilient decision making and clarity of direction and when all of these four come together you get the sweet spot in the middle don't you and that's that's the resilient leader and and one of the things that when you were just talking then made me think about is I think a lot of people think that resilience is being able to live in that high stress zone whereas I think what the resilient leaders elements has taught me is that resilience is about being able to know yourself really well know what your triggers are in terms of when you're moving towards becoming stressed and knowing and recognizing the signs that tell you you are stressed being able to respond to those and do something about it take some action so that you can rebalance and move back along that spectrum from stress back into the pressure zone is a good zone to be in it's good to have pressures and deadlines and be working but but you want to stay as much out of the stress zone as you can so if you know what your triggers are and you can recognize the signs you can keep yourself out of that high stress zone so that when something does come along when a crisis comes along or something comes along that's really testing you are able to then cope with it rather than the way that a lot of people think of resilience as, well, I can live in this high stress zone. But when you do that, or when you're working in that high stress zone and the crisis comes along, it can tip you over the edge. I think that's what happened to you and I in that we were in that really high stress zone. And then one straw, it's like the, car, the house of cards, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. everything comes down around you. So for me, being resilient is not just being able to take everything and live on the edge. It's more about understanding yourself and making sure that you are in a position so that if that crisis comes along, you can cope with it. And I think at the minute we're in, we're in a really challenging time because so many heads have lived in that stress zone. And now all that stress is building. We're, we're reaching crisis point with the COVID mm-hmm. crisis because it's been going on for so long and now we've got the Omicron that the, my concern is that a lot of school leaders are going to be tipping over the edge.
1: And I would say my experience, this certainly over the last couple of months, is a lot are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, many school leaders will say to me, that actually they're just working so operationally at the moment because of you know staffing shortages all sort you know all, all the stuff that we know about that they can cannot pull themselves up out of that operational practice that behavior that yeah. the way they you know the way they are being and what they're doing to look strategically because actually they just can't do it because there is not the the space or the time or the opportunity to do that and you know you can only i i think you can only work at that level for you know well no you can't work at that level indefinitely no something has to give
0: there has to be an end point in sight doesn't there and I, i think this is why things have reached this crisis point now because i think people thought that coming back in september things would get back on an even keel yeah. and they'd be able to have a bit of breathing space start being more strategic again um, and in actual fact it's got even worse is my experience from working with well leaders. many
1: many school leaders have said this last term has been worse than the lockdown because with lockdown at least you knew that you had this group of kids in school and you had this group of you know children at home so you you know you manage that and you had your teens, you know checking up so it was all but it's the fluidity you know some kids are in then they're not in then their parents are choosing to keep them home because they don't want them to catch covid and it's and then you know the class teachers off and then and it's just there's been no period there's been no settled period yeah I was talking to one head the other day and she said in today 59 of the term she had had 58 days of absence you know so they'd never had the whole team in on any one given day.
0: Wow I mean we can't go back in time can we this is one of the things that we learn on the resilient leaders elements program isn't it that if you can Forced, not foresee things but if you can prepare for for a crisis yes then, absolutely you know you can be resilient in that crisis and this was something that it, it had been it had been foreseen by people that there was but it had been completely buried and ignored so schools were like from the moment <laughs> I suppose not quite from the moment but about three weeks before we thought mm, looks like schools might be closed down yeah. we yeah. need to put a plan in place We very very quickly had to think about how we were going to deliver learning to the children, what we do about it, then trying to train staff very quickly on Teams or you know remote learning, and from then it's just been relentless, hasn't it? Because Mm -hmm. we didn't have any contingency planning in place for what might happen if schools were ever to to close.
1: No, yeah, and that that's exactly true, Um, and it just it just carries on. It's just carrying on, um, which I think most school leaders thought, you know, that, that there was no none of the none of the ones that I work with naive and thinking, you know, oh, it's all going to be, you know, back to normal as such. So, you know, they accepted that there's, you know, for some time to come, there's going to be restrictions, risk assessments, constraints, all of those types of things. But I, I don't think. Well, from the, the leaders I'm working with, I I don't think they really appreciated the toll it might take on them and how they were feeling.
0: When you're working with head teachers now, how do you go about supporting them through this? Well
1: that's about um you know like you were you were saying um taking them to through coaching allowing them to explore their worst case scenario you know so and look and for them exploring all the possible options um and sometimes an option is to do nothing Mm. um but allowing them to sort of um express their biggest fears in that confidential space and explore you know the options around okay so you know what else could you do
0: before i find out more about how you can explore your options i'd like to tell you a little bit about our partner head teacher chat head teacher chat discusses lots of topics from how to support pupils with learning, how to support parents and the many issues that come with leading a school. The aim of head teacher Chat is to support headteachers and school leaders who are in a challenging and often lonely role. They do this by offering lots of information for schools to tap into. For example, they have lots of fantastic education companies on their database for leaders to discover, as well as leadership templates to download. They've written product reviews for leaders who are looking for products for their school. And this year, they've even launched the very first School Leader Planner, especially designed to help leaders to be productive and organised. If you'd like to hear more about Headteacher Chat, you can find them on their website at www.headteacherchat.com. Headteacher Chat. It's what headteachers are talking about. Now let's get back to the interview. And that's where
1: I think I I use aspects of the... um, Resilient Leaders Development Program, because I, you know, they were they establishing things that they could possibly try out before that worst case scenario may rear its ugly head. So, you know, they might try different ways of doing things as sort of to test it out to see if actually that might be a better way of doing it. So if they do get to that worst case scenario, they can actually say, okay, well, I'm here, but I know I've tried these couple of things and they work really well. So I'm going to bring those forward. Um, because I think sometimes, you know, people, well, no, we've all been working at such a pace that when there is that period of, well, I say stability, there hasn't, has there, but when things are a little bit more settled, it's an opportunity to maybe think, okay, so could I have done this a different way? Could I have done it differently? Could I involve different people? Could have I communicated that more effectively. So it's like one head was saying that they 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 feel after we've had a session that they've built up their arm, you know, they they've got their their um armour on and within their armour, within their armour, they've got little toolboxes of things they're going to try. Mm. Um, So those are the types of things I would do.
0: It's interesting there, isn't it? Because it's that space, I suppose, A, for reflecting on what's happened, how you've gone about something, what you might have, you know, what, what worked, what didn't really work, what, might you have done differently or how might you change things in the future and then exploring different scenarios that might happen and thinking right what would I do if that happened or what would I do if this happened what what will I do if schools close again in January what's yeah what's the plan and
1: a lot of well a lot of schools I'm working with are prepared for that
0: some schools have closed already haven't they before like before Christmas and gone to online learning but I think it's the sense of I'm often in in podcasts my think it's my thinking space I develop lots of ideas and think oh of course that's what it is but I think resilience is that part of it is that sense of preparedness isn't it
1: absolutely preparedness but also I think it's about having a little go at those things that do not come to you naturally
0: and, I, and having a go at them when you're not in that crisis
1: So no, when it's not like, oh, like when you're well. all running around like yes. headless chickens and I liken it to when I talk about resilience when I do workshops and things I talk about it's like a walk down the bit a beach and, you know, you are drawn to, you know, I love collecting shells and pebbles and there's ones that I'm drawn to and I naturally pick them up. And then there's a the ones I stay well clear of because, you know, maybe they're a bit spiky, a bit slimy, whatever. And actually for me, resilience is going and picking up those slimy stones or, you know, not so pretty shells and saying, okay, this is going to be in- uncomfortable, but I'm going to give it a go.
0: Yes, because so often we stick within our comfort zone yeah. space don't we our comfort zone and we do the things that we are <laughs> familiar with and the things that we like doing and the things that we feel like we're good yeah. at and we yeah. don't often step outside that and try try some other things so it's really interesting that you're talking about that that sense of an ability to try some things out and test some things when when you're not in that absolute crisis moment so it's about I suppose it's about preparedness and practice Mm-hmm. isn't it I and, think so and, and yeah. readying yeah. yourself being you know being ready should yeah something happen and all of
1: that Vicky isn't it is about self-awareness it's like yes. recognizing these are the things that I go to every time this is my repertoire so actually I'm going to be really brave and I'm going to go and do something that you know in a in a safe space I'm going to explore it and that's what um you know I, I use the coaching space for is okay so I'm in, there's no judgment you know I'm not going to turn around and say that's a really stupid idea which someone might say at school like they were um and well let's just
0: talk it through and using the resilient leaders elements and facets as well and your self-assessment to do that because yeah. at the start of the program you do a self-assessment that assesses not your competence but like we were saying the regularity with which you you yeah. rely on or you use you draw on those different yeah. facets and that's, like the, that's like
1: the lovely shells on the beach isn't it those are the yeah. ones I always so it's the frequency with which I do and say certain things Yes, I think that's really powerful as well when you get, you have the feedback from you know trusted colleagues, people who know you well, to see actually is this their perception of my behaviour,
0: and, so and then some interesting,
1: interesting yes. responses <laughs> and then, to that. And then the challenges within the program, I you know for me the challenges are, are all about picking up those not so pleasant pebbles.
0: So. And what, yes and my reaction um just so that the listeners know what we're talking about so when you do the resilient leaders development program you start by doing the self-assessment which looks at all those different facets and how regularly you um i suppose how regularly you use each of those facets and then the ones that you don't regularly draw on you are given challenges to do that help you to practice those yeah. fast in those facets and to just yeah. <laughs> give you some more experience of them to to get better at them and my i had quite a visceral reaction to some of the challenges I was like no i can't do that i don't want to do that that's horrible no but then when i actually did the you know they really pushed me out of my comfort zone and that's what i thought was yeah. the, like how powerful doing that self assessment was is that it just seemed to it got me you know it, it understood uh, it, me. it is then...
1: quite amazing that isn't it and when you read those challenges you think that is just that is so not me so it's really pushing me and I had a client once who had thought that I had written all the challenges for her she really
0: said,
1: yeah she yeah. said because they just they are really what I don't do I know they're I need so help. intuitive
0: ha, aren't yes
1: they? yes and she was like I was like no I'm not that clever, um, but very <laughs> interesting. But I and I think that it's uh, you know if you look at those challenges as as really like little steps towards your goal. Um, that's how I often use them with my clients. Is you know so you know okay you you're this cha- you're pushing back against this challenge. Why is it? But actually, how could that move you closer to your goal, or how could that prepare you for? any eventuality or a difference you know or worst case scenario
0: and that's the key isn't it it's that it's the work that you do that is the resilience like the building of your resilience so that when you see I sort of think now "Mm, is resilience being able to bounce back from something or is it actually being able to cope with it in the first place and not having to bounce back from it because you can because you can cope with it effectively
1: i i yeah i mean i think it's, it's all open to interpretation isn't it but for me it's about um, n- not allowing those difficult times in your life in your profession You know, in your everyday work to define who you are, really. It's about, um, you know, for me, it's more like a loop thing. (laughs) So I think from every challenge, every difficult thing that happens in your life, you learn something. You learn something about yourself, you learn something about the people around you, and sometimes you learn something about the environment, don't you? And actually, if you look at it like that, I think it you know resilience is also about the lens with which we look at things.
0: Well, I, I I was just thinking then actually that that brought up for me that when I suffered my burnout, when I got to that point where I had to give up my role as a deputy head, I looked at that originally until I did the resilient leaders' um elements or the the program and trained as a consultant. I looked at that and thought, well, I'm not, as resi- I'm not as resilient as I thought I was because I couldn't cope with that. And I had to, I had to quit and I had to do something different. So that showed like, that was evidence that I wasn't resilient. When I did the resilient ladies elements, I thought, mm, actually that shows that I am resilient because mm-hmm. I, I did quit because I had to do that for myself. And I came back from that, like that sort of adversity um but there's a sense that if I'd been more resilient earlier on maybe I could have prevented things from happening along the way and I think this is the thing with the resilient leaders elements it will help you to not reach that that crisis point yeah
1: yeah because I think maybe what I hear you saying there Vicky is maybe if you'd had strategies and different ways of dealing with things and maybe had not stayed in that comfort zone you know you try different ways of mm. communicating with whoever or or discussing whatever if you try different ways you might not have got to that stage where you thought oh you know yeah. and I, I agree with you I mean looking back you know I feel if I you know, if first sort if of I'd had a you know a, a trusted coach or a mentor or somewhere like somewhere a space where I could have gone just to explore certain things, um I think that would have helped. I also think i if having a framework where actually my awareness had been raised about all the, beha- the things I did as distractions and avoidance. You know, we spoke earlier about, you know, going down to the nursery because I just couldn't face doing yeah. the governor's There's report. There's
0: a sense of sticking your head in the sand, isn't there? Yeah. And, and I think we were talking, I don't know if we've mentioned it during the interview, but we were definitely talking uh, before the interview about the fact that we're quite high-functioning that we can function in that zone that we were talking about of, of high stress and think that that's okay. But ignoring when you're in that zone, you're ignoring the signs that are there for you to see. And you need to, there's a lot, there's a lot around self-awareness, isn't there? And being aware of, of yourself. But I think a lot of that work is hmm, what are you like as a person? How do you come across to other people? You know, and it's not about that, is it? It's being aware of yourself and your it? own. Yes. yes, being aware yeah. of your, your behaviors um and what they're telling you about yourself and your emotional state, and being uh, aware of yeah. your emotions and being aware of the the physical signs sometimes as well that that let you know like you were ill. I I get this horrible. Uh, feeling of a lump in my throat like I've got a boiled sweet lodged in my throat and um, I ended up at um, as a walking center one weekend because it actually felt like it had grown to the size of an orange um, and it took a while for the doctor to say that's a manifestation of stress you know and, and then I went for CBT after that and mm-hmm. um, found that really valuable but your body's trying to tell you things and you have to become aware of aware of that so that you can move yourself back along that spectrum and rebalance yourself so that you can move forward and and be more mm. ready and like you're saying the preparedness and the practice sits and alongside I, and self, the awareness it, of self
1: yeah absolutely and I think it wasn't until I did the um you became a resilient leaders element consultant that I realized that within that element of leadership presence you've got Um, the authentic you've got the serving and then you've got the um, intentional and actually I hid behind that serving facet I that's what I did I served my community my staff the pupils in the school I did all that brilliantly to the detriment of myself and probably my family, actually. And I think that, I think it is very easy when you are feeling, um, you know, uh, when you, you, when you are in that high level of stress to actually hide behind that. Well, I'm, I'm making sure everybody else is okay. So that, that's fine. Then
0: if you could go back, I mean it's amazing that you do what you do now and you you know you're doing such a great job working with leaders um so you probably go back and say you know I wouldn't change anything but what would you do differently based on what you know now
1: um if I went what I would do is I would um operate a better distributed leadership sort of style and use the strengths of my my senior leadership team it was a big school I had a big senior leadership team I would um use those strengths more it's
0: interesting I... it's interesting that was sorry to interrupt you no, no 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 but I think a lot of leaders like us think that they need to take everything on themselves yeah, don't that's they? what I
1: did ridiculous
0: yeah yes. and so actually I think, that's to the yeah. detriment of your team as well a lot of the exactly. time isn't
1: it you think you're you think you're yeah. um say, oh, saving people you think you are helping people by not fill, you know not by asking them to do something else when in actual fact I know one of my assistant heads could probably have done something in half the time it took me Yeah. But because she was a class teacher and, you know, only had, you know, one non-contact day a week, I just I never asked her to do certain things. I would definitely do that. I would definitely um, work away from the school environment more frequently.
0: Right. Now, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because a lot of people go, you can't do that. As a head teacher, yeah, you you, you you can't yeah. not work in the school. You've got to be in the school. You've got to you've got to be I mean, there. I you did do it. Presence. but I was racked with guilt. Racked with guilt. But I've got, had a
1: a brilliant deputy head. Um, I had you know we had a
0: big pastoral team there. Um, you know, you know the, in a way, when you when you, this is not an insult to you, Jackie. Of course, <laughs> but when you do that. Is that your ego? Is that you thinking think, you like you're more important I, than you I, are? Not you specifically. No, no, but is no, that but one think thinking one that. is more important? I think than it's One about is that, um, that it's almost that, that sense that the school can't possibly run without it, me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but it did because it ran for seven weeks perfectly well without me. But I think it's that also that. Um, I think it's your ego I think it's that oh you know I need to be there I need to be seen I think that's a a, an important one for a head teacher that visibility thing
0: but the leadership presence element tells us that as a leader if you are effective at creating leadership presence you don't actually have to be there exactly your presence to be felt because your presence is felt in all of the systems and processes that you've set up in the way you've developed your leaders and And I trusted my
1: deputy head you know implicitly I you know um but I think yeah and I just think it's that you know yeah it, it it comes from within it's not an external thing
0: and it, it's interesting because I was thinking, you know, I didn't want to be a head teacher because I thought, wow, as a deputy, I'm so busy and, and so stressed that as a head having to, you know, do the governor's report, do the um, stand up on open evening and do the talk to parents and be the meter and greeter at parents' evenings and do all those things. And actually, I, I was thinking the other day maybe I wouldn't have had to do those things maybe I could have got the deputy head to do the speech at open evening because I would actually have liked that if the head had said to me on open evening how would you feel about doing the the speech to parents Mm -hmm. it would be good experience it'd be good practice you know if you wouldn't take headship on and I thought "I, I would have liked that I would have I would have gained from that so sometimes you The way that you think about something is not necessarily the way that other people are thinking about things, and that's another one of the facets, isn't it? In awareness, awareness of others, others. yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: And how Um, what you're doing in that respect is actually holding others back.
1: So that's made me think. Actually, Vicky, I think another thing I wouldn't have done is I wouldn't have made so many assumptions. Yeah. i made a lot of assumptions about people's time about people's workload about you know what people didn't didn't want to do um people were thinking (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes what they were thinking um so yeah i i wouldn't uh, yeah if i if i could roll back the time and i would have invested in myself i i I say in myself you know i i don't but i would have invested in in myself in in time away from the the role of the job to reflect and to you know to be coached to be mentored um
0: I mean I think there should be a national program for heads that every head should have a coach absolutely just that that's the that's the right you have as a head not even right it's a responsibility actually to have a coach and, and actually
1: i think i mean i'm working with um a roman catholic matt at the moment up in um derbyshire and i did some work for them last year i ran um so it was for 33 leaders so school leaders and also their their um their central team i ran a group program i did group coaching and i could have one-to-one country coaching and they chose what they wanted this year they have like block booked um coaching I think it's 60 coaching sessions and their school leaders just book in and if the school leaders that that, say the head recognizes that there's someone else in the school that needs it they gift it to them and how forward thinking is that
0: it's great isn't it
1: absolutely great
0: and it's like you say, in terms of resilience, coaching really helps you with improving your resilience because it helps you to go through those scenarios and to explore what might happen. Like, I suppose you've got your known knowns, your unknown knowns, your known unknowns and your unknown unknowns. You? <laughs> no, 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 But it, yeah. but it, but it helps yeah, you to, yeah, to, to look at those things and create that feeling of, you know, you can reflect on what you've done and then you can be prepared for whatever might come your way. But also okay. that sense of staying centered and staying grounded and being able to identify and work through with a coach, what your triggers are, how how you recognize those behaviors, and then coming up with some actions that you can take to get yourself back rebalanced again, whether that's an afternoon working from home, or whether it's Going, having a round of golf, or whether it's going to the cinema with your family, whatever it is that helps you to rebalance mm. and just recenter yourself, yeah, is the key, isn't it, to developing that yeah, ability
1: absolutely. to be resilient? And I think there's that whole whole issue, not issue, but there's that whole agreement around confidentiality and coaching. So even though you might. An organization might say, Okay, we want you to do this with our leaders. You know, everybody needs to know it's confidential. Yeah. Because otherwise, there's no point.
0: But then, as well, in that space, you know that you can be totally honest and open. Yeah. And that's really important as well, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And yeah, so I definitely, if I roll back the time, I would definitely have found a way to create something like that for myself and probably my other my other senior leaders as well
0: you know when you said you wouldn't make assumptions you wouldn't make as many assumptions what would you do instead I think I'd ask people yeah
1: so I'm wondering if you know you'd like to do x y and z i also like the phrase you know i've noticed you know um i think i would have been rather than you know like you say making assumptions about what they're thinking (laughs) i would have asked i would ask people more
0: because it's amazing isn't it how many assumptions are being made on a daily basis in a school
1: and if I'm really honest, Vicky, I think I probably would have listened more carefully.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because, I, I, you know, in a lot in a lot of the coaching sessions that I do, leaders talk about, you know, being open and honest and wanting people to be able to come to them. And, sh- and, and they'll say, you know, my, my door's always open. People can come and they can come and talk to me and they can come and share things. And I think, A, can they? because it's hard to speak truth to power, isn't it? So you have to think as a leader about how you encourage a safe space in which people really do feel like they can come and be honest with you. And as a leader, are you role modeling that? Are 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 you going out there and being honest with your staff? Are you giving them the honest feedback that they need? Because you might want them to come to you and say, Mm. we didn't like this we felt like when you've implemented that it had this effect on us and we we struggled with that or whatever you want people to be able to come and say that to you but the flip side of that is have you been to someone and said when you do this it has this impact so and, and get and have you been and given them honest feedback because it you can't expect people to come do something for you that you're not doing for them.
1: Exactly, absolutely. And I think, you know, you have to model as a leader how you would like others to be in your team.
0: Because just by saying, my door's always open, come and see me and talk to me about whatever, that doesn't mean that people, you you have to create the culture, don't you, of openness and and honesty? And it, do, you can't create that culture overnight, no. can you? I think actually there's probably another podcast interview in the whole, <laughs> how do you create a culture of openness and, and honesty? Yeah. I mean, I always recommend the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And I think, um,
1: you know, it starts, it's like, a, I always think it starts from, you know, if you're a new head going into a school, it starts from that very first conversation you have with staff. And, um you know, I, you know, sometimes in staff meetings, you know, someone I would if, you know, because rather than people say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's all great. And you're thinking, I know you're not thinking it's great because I know there's some of you who think this is rubbish, is actually saying to someone no is it okay for we share the conversation we had yesterday because I know that you had reservations about that this and and not and doing that in a really genuine way
0: someone's I don't know what I was listening to or reading but someone said this about Hillary Clinton and when she put her team together when she was I think it might have been when she was the first lady she said to them we start on this premise and it's that if you have if you see a problem or an issue or in something that I'm suggesting or something that I'm doing it's your responsibility to tell me I want you to be able to tell me and be honest with me and then we can have those discussions and make sure we get things right you know that's it's you know it's our joint responsibility to be able to iron out those creases and 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 it was like this person said, so from the start, she said that's what she wanted. And she was really authentic in that. You know, they believed that Mm -hmm. that's what she wanted. And she created that sense of actual openness and honesty and transparency and and those discussions and debates about things. And she wasn't precious about it. And I think that's really important, isn't it? To set out, Mm -hmm. stall with people to say, i'm actually saying to you this is what i i need you to do i need you to to tell me and be honest you
1: often come out with a better end result
0: exactly if if people can i mean if you say that you have to be prepared to listen to the the criticism as well don't you because it's no good yeah, saying yeah. No, be no, honest no, with no. me if when people start saying this might not work or that might not work you go yeah. and and getting a huff about it you've got yeah, to, absolutely you've got to be yeah. able to, to and that's it. why I think
1: when I say I would have listened more carefully I think because in a school you tend to every you know this everything feels so rushed sometimes yeah There never seems to be enough time to really listen properly and carefully to what people are saying. You know, staff meetings are tagged on the end of the day where everyone's exhausted and the teachers are already thinking about their next, you know, thinking I need to get back to my class because I've got to mark my books. I've got to plan for tomorrow and I've got to get X, Y and Z ready. So no one's, you know, so people struggle to be really present.
0: Yeah, we need to think about how we can slow things down a bit, don't we? yeah yeah that's that's not easy Jackie it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you I could talk I, I say this to all my guests so I'm just <laughs> I could chat all day um but I think that we've had a really really great exploration of what resilience is I think yeah, people who've yeah. listened will go away and think oh I think I've got a better idea of of what resilience um, is
1: and I another image I use is which I find really, really helpful when I'm talking to people about resilience is I talk about it being like a window. And some days your window of resilience is wide open and you can take on anything that the world throws at you and you're just like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And then some days it's firmly shut and it's about and, and actually the smallest thing can send you into an absolute you know dizzy spin and what we were saying about this awareness is about realizing what needs to be right within within you for that window to be open and actually what do you need to do if your window is firmly shut to actually start just to push it you know get it ajar <laughs> just to yeah. start off with because I don't think it's I don't think it's fixed
0: yeah Um I think that's a really a really good analogy to to finish on if people want to find out how they can get in touch with you and um potentially yeah I'm on
1: LinkedIn you. um as Jackie Frost the leaders coach I'm and it's um, Jackie on with the
0: J-A-C-Q-U-I isn't it,
1: it certainly is yes yeah. my mum wouldn't let me use a K-I <laughs> <laughs> um, even though she calls me Jack very funny um and yes yeah, so I'm on um LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook
0: Brilliant. So you, people can find you quite easily. They Is there can. a website they for can. Leadership 43 as well?
1: Yes, Leadership 43, we have it. It's just Leadership 43. Great. I'll,
0: I'll, yeah. I will put all that in the show notes. Thank you so Brilliant. much, Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Vicky. It's been lovely to chat. It's been great. Thank you. What a great interview with Jackie. I, I think she's so wise and reflective when she's talking about leadership and how she could have been more resilient, but what, what resilience is and what she's learned from all of her years as a leader in school and as a head teacher. And I think some of the things that I'm taking from that conversation, which was a, a very useful conversation for me as well in terms of having that opportunity to talk about what resilience is and what it means as a leader. First of all is reflecting on things that have happened in the past, And thinking about how you dealt with those things and thinking about how you would deal with them again, should things like that arise in the future. And that's part of then developing that preparedness for crises, for things that might happen so that you're ready for them and the opportunity to practice what your response would be is really important in terms of developing your ability to be resilient should one of those crises occur. Using the strength of your team as well, so it's not just you who is responsible if something challenging happens. You can rely on your team to be resilient alongside you and to deal with whatever comes up or challenges come your way. And Also, I think one of the the things that Jackie talked about in in that interview is not making assumptions about other people, not assuming that other people can't cope if you ask them to do pieces of work for you or to do a project for you. Because we spend a lot of time as leaders serving others. And I think Jackie actually really explored this in terms of how she behaved as a leader and we're people pleasers a lot of the time and we want to look after our team we want to serve them but sometimes in doing that we don't serve ourselves and we can become very stressed as a result of that and then when we're living in that high stress zone it becomes difficult to be resilient in a crisis so from my perspective resilience is not just about being able to put up with stress and challenges repeatedly and bounce back from them and that's the that's the current wisdom and thinking in terms of what resilience is I think there is an element of that absolutely but it's also about understanding yourself Being resilient or to be resilient, you have to understand yourself and you have to be able to regulate yourself to prevent yourself from becoming too stressed. So you need to recognise your triggers and your behaviours when you are becoming stressed and the signs that your body is giving you. And then you need to take the time and be responsible For rebalancing yourself, bringing yourself back down that spectrum continuum from pressure to stress. And I'm not saying that pressure is not good for us because pressure is, but when it becomes stress, it can become unmanageable. And too much stress is never a good thing. So if you can rebalance yourself, if you know what you can do to take care of yourself the things that bring that balance back and help ground yourself you can take action and you can keep yourself further down the spectrum otherwise you end up living on the edge of a precipice you end up living in a very high state of stress and no matter how resilient you think you are And I have personal experience of this and Jackie described her own personal experience of this as well. So no matter how resilient you think you are, it might be the crisis that comes along when you're in that state might be the thing that pushes you over the edge, that causes the burnout. So what I'm saying is, look after yourself. Lead well. Lead from a position of wellness, of body and of mind and be able to know yourself so that you can recognize when you are moving from pressure to stress and put things in place to help you move back along that continuum. That's all we've got time for today. Uh, I would like to thank you once again for listening. If you are interested in joining the group coaching program, or if you would like to join the Women Lead Well Coaching Network, we've got our next group monthly coaching call early January, which I'm really excited about because we've got a guest speaker Helen Baker coming to join us. If you would like to join either of those groups or programs, please don't hesitate to email me, Vicky at WeLeadWell.co.uk, and we can arrange to have a conversation to see if it is something that would benefit you all the best for the new year everyone if you are out celebrating at this moment in time that is entirely possible and hasn't yet been ruled out be safe but enjoy yourself and have a great new year take care of yourself take care of your staff and lead well episode of the We Lead Well podcast was brought to you in partnership with Transform Education Coaching, Headteacherchats.com and Teach Well Alliance.